Good morning. Can you hear me? Oh, good. That's fine. Good morning, everyone at home. Good morning, everyone here at Calvary Chapel. Welcome. Was that just a beautiful worship service? Was that wonderful? Thank you. Just beautiful. Uh, if you'd like to take out your phones, you can all follow along with me at www.ccarrowhead.com. All the announcements are out there. Uh, you can wait for a divine intervention, or you can follow along. And all these uh, announcements, and there are very few today, plus all other information about the church can be found at www.ccarrowhead.com. Uh, today, our uh, Pastor Dennis will be teaching us from Exodus 35, titled, A Heart Forgiving. Uh, with the spike in uh, coronavirus, uh, we want to thank you for gathering uh, and following the proper guidelines, including masking, washing of hands, uh, making sure you keep a safe social distance. We do frown upon licking handrails and licking doorknobs too, so you might want to prevent that. But no, please be safe, but we are so happy to have you here and with us on uh, uh, live broadcast. Uh, we will have a special service this Wednesday Dottie and Tina will be performing for us. You can follow along on the uh, YouTube channel and on Facebook. Again, more information at www.ccarrowhead.com. I'm gonna say that a few times just so you all have that. A lot of information out there. It's really important that you know that website. Okay, it's time to pull out the Bengay, the Camelbacks, update your emergency contacts, get your insurance cards out. The men are taking a hike this Saturday. The men are going to hike uh, the White Tank Mountains. Everyone is asked to meet at Sam's. Sam, raise your hand. Sam, all the way in back, okay? They're gonna meet at 7 a.m. and then carpool from there. The hike will start at 7.30. They will take an accurate head count to make sure if they leave with 10, they come back with 10. So you won't have to worry about being left behind. Um, you can register online. Please, any questions, contact Roy or e email at info at ccarrowhead.com. So that ccarrowhead.com is really a very important website. Uh, a reminder that we are an ever-expanding church with ever-expanding services. So a quick reminder here of our weekly services besides the Sunday morning service, which we're all attending now, Pastor D is teaching 1st John on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., if you can make that. Wednesday night is typically dedicated to intercessory prayer. Pastor D is teaching us on preparatory prayer to get ready for whatever 2021 has in store for us. I know a lot of people are saying we hope it, uh, we turn the corner after 2020. But I did understand that 2021 told 2020, here, hold my beer. So it's going to be a bad year. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's going to be a great year. But please, whatever's coming down, that's Wednesday night. And then on Saturday nights at 6.30 p.m., Pastor D is teaching First Thessalonians. And the theme is the return of Jesus Christ. Please try to make some of these extra services. Uh, these are all available to you. Again, more information at www.ccarrowhead.com. And now I'd like to take a second to ask Roy to come up and lead us in the word. 
Good morning, Calvary Chapel Arrowhead. We are going to be in Exodus this morning. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 35. And I'm going to read to you guys verses 4 and 5, and then I'm going to skip to verse 10, and then I'm going to skip to verse 21. So it's a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit more challenging to follow along. I believe we're going to have it up here on the overhead as well. Exodus chapter 35, verse 4. Oh, <laughs> somebody, a little bird is telling me that we need to stand in honor of you. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting something. All right, this is um, Exodus 35, verse 4. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the, this is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is willing of heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. All who are gifted artisans among, oh, skipping to verse 10, all who are gifted artisans among you shall make all that the Lord has commanded. Now skipping to verse 21. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service and for the holy garments. This is God's word. Father in heaven, Lord, as we read your word, we know that it is you speaking to us, Lord. We know that it is timeless, that it is living, it is active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to discern even the intentions of our hearts, Lord. This is, we are so blessed to have your word, Lord. We believe that it's a love letter from you to us, and it's here. You've given us your word so that you can speak to us and guide us in every aspect of our life. You even tell us in your word, Lord, that you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness, and we believe that. We believe your word, Lord. May we be faithful enough to act upon your word, and do whatever it is that you're telling us to do uh, because you promise a good result, Lord. We stand on your promises. We stand on your word as, as, um, as we trust you, Lord. We pray that you would increase our trust, increase our faith. As we draw near to you, Lord, we claim your promise from James where you say that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. This morning, as Pastor leads us through this passage of scripture, Lord, I pray that you would open up the eyes of our heart, that your um, Holy Spirit would minister to each one of us right where we're at in, in our lives, Lord. You are outside of the reaches of, of our own minds, Lord, but you are spirit and you are truth. So I pray this morning that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. So, Father, we ask this, we pray it in the powerful name, the all-powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. There we go. You got a signal? There it is. Good morning, everybody. Lord bless you. Thank you for, for being here. Um, how many of you remember the comedian Flip Wilson? Anybody remember Flip Wilson? A lot of you. How many of you have never heard of Flip Wilson? 
Never heard of him, Ben? Never heard of Flip Wilson? All right. He had, a, he had a TV show, and one of his characters was Geraldine. You remember Geraldine? Right? And Geraldine always had a problem because the devil always made her do it, right? <coughs> well, he told this story, and I remember hearing this when I was in junior high school. So that was back when the dinosaurs were still walking around. <laughs> About a preacher trying to get his church to grow. And uh, he put out, took an offering, and he sent the offering plate around the church, and it zoomed around the room and came back empty. He thought, well, maybe they didn't understand. So he sent the offering plate out again, and zoom, it went around the room and came back empty. And so he says, I don't think you understand, people. He says, you know, um, when, you, when you have a church, you know, it always just starts to crawl. At the very beginning, it just crawls. Someone in the back room says, well, make it crawl, preacher. Make it crawl. He says, but after it crawls for a while, it's got to it's stand. You've got to make the church stand. A couple more people started getting into it and said, well, you've got to make it stand, preacher. Make it stand. He says, when it stands, it's got to start to walk. You've got to make the church walk. And they're really getting into it now. Make it walk, Rev. Make it walk. And then he says, but to make it, after it walks for a while, it's got to run. you got to make the church run. And they're all excited. Make it run, Rev. And then he says, and to make it run, it takes money. Got real quiet. One voice in the back. Let it crawl, Rev. <laughs> Let it crawl. We are at a place in scripture that is specifically talking about giving and willing giving, willing giving. Giving from the heart and only from the heart. Uh, <clears throat> to give you a little bit of background again, uh, God has decided to take Israel, the nation of Israel, and to make them his very special people that he may display his glory and his love for all of humanity throughout the earth. And um, he has decided to have his presence dwell with them through his Shekinah glory. He's commissioned them to build a tabernacle, which is a portable worship center, where he's going to meet with the people uh, through the priesthood. He prepared a prototype and of what it was going to look like, and he gave the blueprints to Moses, as Moses spent 40 days in the mountain with the Lord. Now, as we come to chapter 35, he's getting the project funded, and the craftsmen and the tradesmen all lined up for its construction. He's already given them, like I said, the detailed instructions and how it was to be furnished, with each piece of the tabernacle representing a message about salvation. And of course, we know that salvation comes through whom? Jesus Christ, that's right. If you look up at the little tabernacle example I have behind me, you see that there is only one gate leading into the whole complex. How many ways are there to the Father? Just one, and that's through Jesus Christ. First thing you see after that is a bronze altar 
And this is where the sacrifices were made for the atonement of the sins, right? And who has been our atonement, who was sacrificed on the bronze uh, altar of the cross? That would be Jesus, that's right. And then behind that <clears throat> altar, there is a bronze laver. And there the priests would wash before going into the holy place to do their work. And we are told that we are to wash with the water of the word. And we're also told that Jesus is the word, right? The word of life. And that anyone who comes to him out of their innermost being will gush or flow rivers, torrents of living water. You walk into the holy place, the first thing you see on your right is a table of shewbread or showbread. And what did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And who is this bread? The bread of life? Jesus, that's right. And then to the left of that is the golden lampstand, which lights up the in, inner part of the holy place. And we know that Jesus was the light of the world, and so are we. And then there's the altar of incense, which represents the prayers of the saints, we're told in the book of Revelation, right? And who lives to make intercession for us? According to Hebrews, it is Jesus, that's right. And then finally, in the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant, and the most prominent feature of this piece of furniture is the mercy seat and where do we go to find mercy and grace in time of need our lord and savior jesus john 1:17 says the law was given through moses but grace and truth came through jesus christ now it was architecturally designed to overwhelm the israelites with god's awesome holiness to show them their need of cleansing and their, the need being met through the provision of atonement and to give them a very precious and particular ministry of intercession for all people on all who would come to him, whether they be Jew or Gentile, because they were to be God's example to all the nations of the world, even as we are today. Now, as in all projects, there was a delay. Is that pretty much true? You guys who know projects, there's going to be a delay. And usually it's about getting materials or vendors lined up or securing capital to get it going, but not this one. This delay was caused by sinning, right? Um, they set up an alternative worship service around a golden calf, if you remember, and that almost got them toasted, right? Almost. But that's not in the too distant past, but it is in the past. And God has forgiven their sin through the intercession of Moses, which we've seen how important it is for us to be involved in the ministry of intercession. And now they're finally ready to start construction. Now, this construction was, is detailed in chapters 35 through 39. And it's almost verbatim from chapters 25 to 31, 
So rather than giving much attention to the building of the tabernacle, we're going to focus our attention on what these final chapters have to say about God's goodness and his grace, as well as our joyous duty to live for him by serving one another and serving others. So um, we will be skipping portions of the scriptures that were spoken verse by verse. And if you want to go over those and know what the tabernacle means piece by piece in great detail, I suggest you go back and find the multitude of studies that we did on chapters uh, 25 through 31. So here's the outline, okay, if you're taking notes. Verses 4 through 9, we're going to see about giving what you got. And then verses 10 through 19, we're going to talk about giving what you do. And then verses 20 through 29, uh, giving with your heart or giving what you want, which should come from the heart. So let's look at verse 4 and talk about giving what you got. Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded saying, take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart, and I hope you underline that because that's sort of the focus of what we're studying, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze, purple, blue, scarlet thread, fine linen with goat's hair, and, and goat's hair, rams, I don't know if linen ever has goat's hair or not, but... Um, That'd be kind of gross, wouldn't it? All right. Ram skins, dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood. Oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. So that's the list of the donations that are going to be needed for the word. Gold, silver, bronze used for the altar, the ark, the pillars, the furniture, the utensils, linen and yarn for the coverings and curtains and veils, animal skins to cover the tabernacle itself, acacia wood used to construct its framework, oil, incense, spices used by the priests for their service, and precious stones for the sacred garments. Now what's important here is not so much the items that were given, but that the people gave what they had. And in this way, they participated in God's work. I suppose God could have just popped it into existence, right? I don't know if you remember uh, um, back when Bill Cosby was socially acceptable, I guess. Um, he told the story of Noah's Ark. You remember him? Remember that routine, anybody? Okay, and Danny said, thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. Anyway, Noah's struggling, and, and uh, he's trying to get all these animals on the ark, and they're not cooperating, and it's starting to thunder, and it's beginning to rain, and, and, and Moses is just, he's just lost it. You know, he, he's wondering who's going to clean up the mess at the bottom of that ark. You know, have you seen that? And the Lord says, uh, Moses, you got two hippos there, and, and they're both male. You need to take one back and get a female. He says, I'm not doing nothing. He says, you change one of them. <laughs> And of course, we suppose that God could have had this whole tabernacle just pop into existence, but that's not the way God works. 
He invites us to get involved with what he is doing in the world. And he makes the plans, but we carry them out. All right? Always remember that. Jesus said, until he returns, we are to occupy. Sounds like a military term, you know, we're going to march the streets with our AK-47 Bibles. And, um, you know, but that's not what he meant. He meant to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples out of all nations, from all nations, and teaching them everything that he told us through his word. He makes the plans, we do the work. Now, an interesting question might be, where did all of this stuff come from? Well, you know, the acacia wood, that would have come from the surrounding area. There's a lot of acacia wood where they were, animals from the area, linen, weave from plants in the area. But the gold precious stones came out of their own pockets, but where did they get it? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Exodus chapter 12. Turn there real quick, guys. Exodus chapter 12. And most of you already know the answer to this question. Exodus 12, 35. It says, The children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested, thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now, the first thing I want you to notice there is that God gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. But they still had to go door to door to the Egyptians to ask for their gold and silver. Can you imagine what that was like? Knock, knock, knock. Guy opens the door. He's not too happy. Things haven't been going so well in the country lately. It's been plague after plague after plague after plague, right? And, and here's somebody who's socially unacceptable knocking at the door, all whatever, and says, hey, uh, you got any gold? <laughs> you got any silver? You know, that'd be rather awkward, right? And I know that if you felt like the Lord told you to go door to door, and he's not. He's not telling you to go to door to ask for people for their money and their gold and their stock and all that. But if you were to go to it, you, you're expecting to get rejected, right? But God went before them and gave favor in the sight. And that's something you need to remember when you have to approach somebody in authority for something that you have need of, but you are feeling that perhaps you're not going to receive from them a welcoming smile. Lord, give me favor in their eyes. As a teacher, I prayed many times, Lord, give me grace in the eyes of these kids. Because if you don't, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> right? Give me grace. So they plundered the Egyptians, it says. And, and really, this isn't plunder in the sense, you know, we're thinking of Johnny Depp and the Pirates of Penzance or whatever. It is uh, basically back pay. Back pay with interest is what they're receiving. Uh, theologian Patrick uh, Fairbairn, I think that's how you say his name, tells us the purpose of what the people took. He said, what the people brought out of Egypt consisted of the most precious metals 
of the finest stuffs and linen manufacture and with embroidered workmanship, the richest and most gorgeous colors, and the most beautiful and costly gems. It was absolutely necessary to bring out the idea of the surpassing glory and magnificence of Jehovah as the king of Israel and of the singular honor which was enjoyed by those who were admitted to minister and serve before him. Do you feel that way about your service to the Lord? Do you see what kind of an honor and privilege you have? Do you see the beauty and the gorgeous jewelry that you are? I say often to our people who work is that you treat others who come in here and become part of your sphere of influence as the precious jewels of the Lord. And think about it, how you would treat jewelry that was very precious and very, very valuable. You wouldn't just, you know, leave it on your dashboard as you walked into Target or something wide open so people could see it. You would take care of it. You would cherish it. And that's what we are to do for one another. This outwardly plain but inwardly ornate portable worship center with its gold and silver and bronze and not to mention the linen and the animal skins, it would cost, if you were to build it today, approximately $64 million to build. It's not all that big. And on the outside, it's not all that impressive. But once you go inside, it blows you away. God is very particular about the sacrifices and the design, and he's also very particular about the beauty of the tabernacle. I think it's very significant that God would tell us about what important laws there are to follow so that we can all get along with one another, but he's just as equally concerned with the beauty of the building itself. It's representative of what we will see in heaven when we see the real deal. And it's something we should always keep in mind, that no detail is too small to honor him. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, when and if we move from this place, that the next place we go to should be made out of solid gold. Right? And uh, it just, you know, like I've seen some very ornate churches. Have you guys seen this? I mean, they're just one. You go to Europe and you see this Gothic architecture and these churches that are just towering to the sky and inside is just gorgeous. That's fine. I prefer something simple, tasteful, but not, you know, let's not go overboard where it's going to cost $64 million to build the sanctuary of God. Let's invest the $64 million into the hearts of the people and to the ministry of the, uh, those who we're going to minister to. You threw me off there, Eric. I'm sorry. <laughs> What is important here is that the people gave from what they had, okay? They didn't put their offering on their credit cards. They didn't, they didn't overextend themselves to do the work of the Lord. They gave from what was in their reach to give. And what's, I keep wanting to drink this. What's more important is the people gave willingly. And that's the way God wants it. He only wants your offerings if they come willingly. Look, let's go back to Exodus 35 and look at verse 21. Exodus 35, verse 21. 
Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. God has the same expectation of us to give as you are stirred within your own heart as the spirit moves upon you and only if you are willing to give go to the new testament and look at second corinthians chapter 9 second corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 Paul's writing to the Corinthians about the whole topic of giving. He says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Okay, let me read this from the New Living Translation. It, it gives it a vernacular that's a little bit easier to wrap your mind around. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share. So I hope you notice there are three principles to giving there. First one is that you must decide in your own heart how much to give. Earlier in chapter 2 of, of um, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, he says that every week let, let lay aside money for a contribution and give out of whatever it is that you make. I'm paraphrasing loosely here. Okay. So it's like if you, if you make a lot of money, then set something aside in proportion to your income. And if you don't make very much, set something aside in proportion to that. But the bottom line is that you must decide in your own heart how much to give. Remember Ananias and Sapphira, right? Uh, they, they, they wanted to sort of be cool with all the other cool kids in the church at the time. And everybody was selling the property and giving it to the apostles for the distribution for the needs of the church, right? And then Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't really feel comfortable doing that, but they didn't want to look bad. So they sold a piece of property and they gave part of the money, but kept back part for themselves, which was perfectly fine. But the problem came is that when they made it seem like they had given everything, that they bought the house or sold the house and there Full asking price, right? This is exactly what we got from it. And of course, Peter looked at him and says, you know, what's causing you to lie to the Holy Spirit? You know? And of course, we know what else happened too, right? Boom, toasted right there on the spot. Can you imagine if God still judged like that today? 
I know there would be nobody sitting in here. <laughs> and I wouldn't be here either. <laughs> so you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give it reluctantly or in response to pressure. If you decide in your heart that you want to give and then all of a sudden you start feeling like, ah, you're being forced to do this, don't do it. If in doubt, don't. If in doubt, don't. Don't, don't respond to pressure. And give only what you can give joyfully, cheerfully. The word is actually hilarious, which means hilarious. Let me read to you a, a comment by John Corson. So it's true that we make a living by what we get, but it's equally true that we make a life by what we give. Perhaps it was Paul's knowledge of this principle that enabled him to say with certainty, God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word translated cheerful is hilaros, which, from which we get the word hilarious. Thus, according to Paul, giving should not be a pain, it should be a party. It should not be heavy, but happy. All right? Now, now we, don't, we don't hand out a basket here. We don't uh, do that anymore. And, and I'm very happy that we don't do that anymore because this has always been troublesome on my heart about this whole issue of giving. I trust that the Lord will stir your heart and that you will give as you see fit to give. And I can tell you since COVID happened, um, we have not lacked. It's, we've been fine. The Lord has provided for all of our needs. But can you imagine that when we were passing the, the little bag around, the people just started chuckling, and then it turned into laughter, and then everybody's sort of rolling on the floor with tears going down their eyes. I mean, wow, that's a great service. Let's go to that. And I know that some pastors actually try to manipulate that sort of a thing with their congregation to make that happen, but uh, it ain't going to happen here, okay? But you should be cheerful when you give. Now, the truth is, it's our privilege to give. It's our honor, and it should be our joy as well. Um, in verse 8, if you're looking still in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, um, it says, God will generously, oh, I'm sorry, th this is another point. Further notice this promise, that God will generously provide all you need. For those who are, are worried that, you know, if I give, then I won't have any for myself. Well, remember, if that's your worry and concern, then you should not be giving at all. But if you do give in faith and you are concerned, what does it say here? God will generously provide all you need. Paul said it in Philippians 4 that my God shall supply all your need through his riches in Christ Jesus. And he also said, I know what it's like to be poor. I also know what it's like to be rich. Point is, be content. Whatever state you're in, be content. Whatever state, whether it's California or Arizona or Mississippi, learn to be content. Charles Spurgeon said, God has a way of giving by the cartloads to those who give away by shovelfuls. And I can tell you from sharing mine's experience, that is absolutely true. Doesn't stop us from worrying about the next time. Okay, we always keep waiting for that shoe to drop, but it never has. It never has. Everything we have comes from him, and it's our privilege to be able to use it for his service. I will tell you, 
your tithes and your offerings support our practical expenses as you would expect it to, the lease payments for the building, uh, the utilities, the maintenance, the upkeep, the upgrades, the insurance, etc. cetera. Uh, some of it goes to my support. Some of it goes to support our administrative staff. Some goes to support our, our ministries, our men's ministries, our women's ministries, our children's ministry, our young adults ministry, our youth ministry. Some goes up to outreach and missions that we have, a left-hand thief, our, our skater ministry, um, Casa de Avis, our foster home ministry, Calvary Chapel Turin, which is a, a missionary um, outreach in Italy, um, and Calvary Chapel Bible College in Peru. And we also give to support uh, Tom Hawk Elementary School. Um, and then we have a benevolence fund that we use for community outreach, and we also have a food bag ministry that we give. Now, we are, we are small, but we are, are mighty in, in the way in what is able to go out. Frankly, I, I wish that I didn't have to take a salary at all, and it could just flow through, flow through. And I think that's what the Lord is looking for, just places to bless so that they will be channels of blessing others. It's not always that way for most churches, I'm afraid to say, and it really gives Christianity a black eye in our culture today. But your tithes and offerings are given by you, hopefully from hearts of gratitude for what God has done for you, because you've been touched by his grace. You've been touched by his grace, you understand it, and that's why you give. Jesus said, freely we have received, freely we, we give. He gave his son. Now we give what we have. So our giving is but a reflex of God's giving. All right, enough of that. Let's move on now. Let's go back to Exodus 35 and look at verses 10 through 19 and talk about giving what you do. As you might think, it's going to take more than just gold and silver and wood and fine linen to get this project off the ground and get it done someone along the line is actually going to have to do the work and build the thing. Look at verse 10. All who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasp, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets. The ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering, the table and its poles and its utensils and the showbread. Also the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamps, and the oil for the light. You see how exciting this is? Reading through this, right? It's like, it's like reading through a motor manual. The incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, the screen for the door, and the entrance of the tabernacle. Verse 16, the altar of burnt offerings with its bronze grating, its poles, utensils, and labor in its base. And let's just get down to verse 19. The garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. All right. If you go through that list, you see that there is quite a need for um, workmen and workwomen needed for this project. You're going to need animal cutters. You're going to need metallurgists. You're going to need goldsmiths and silversmiths. You're going to need workers in bronze, architects, designers, perfumer, perfumers, tailors, lapidaries, management, and administration over it all. 
And of course, you're going to need someone to bring the peanut butter sandwiches while they do the work, right? This is an opportunity for these craftsmen and artisans to shine, people who are called and are gifted. An important principle here, again, if you're taking notes, is that every one of us has a gift and a part to play. We have spiritual gifts that God uses to build his kingdom, okay? Uh, turn to Romans chapter 12, and then from there we're going to hit Ephesians chapter 4. Romans 12. And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It's just a little easier on the ears. Romans 12, 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Okay? Now pop over to Ephesians, just a couple books to your right, and go to chapter 4 and look at verses 11 and 12. Ephesians 4.11, same author, Paul. He says, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So you have the same thing that Moses is doing in the desert spoken of by Paul. Different people gifted in different ways, called and equipped by God to do the work. We should do what God has called us to do. And at the same time, we shouldn't try to do what God has not called us to do. He hasn't given everybody the gift of giving. The person who has the gift of giving, you don't have to be told about giving. You're just excited about meeting needs. Everybody should participate in giving, of course. But not everybody has that gift. Not everybody has the gift of being a pastor or a teacher. Not everybody has the gift of administration. Some are called and some are enabled, but all of it is to work together to build the body of Christ so that we may do the work of ministry, which is to make disciples of all nations, to reach the world for Christ, to teach, to mend their souls, and to send them out until Jesus comes back. Now, you've you got to know that the children of Israel numbered around 2 million people, at least. That's sort of a conservative estimate. And not everyone had one of those 11 skill sets, all right? Each had a very particular skill set, right? I'm sorry, I was trying to channel my Liam Neeson, but it didn't quite work. Not everyone was in that list. 
So if you can't cut a board straight, then, then don't cut boards, okay? Um, do, maybe you can do design, but if your designs look more like an abstract Picasso on steroids painting, then maybe better if you just brought in the peanut butter sandwiches, okay? So participate, find your place and contribute. Each of us should contribute to the work and each of us needs to be content to do what God has called us to do and let others do what God has called them to do. First Peter 4.10, if you are still turning there, just go to your right and hit First Peter. It's right before Second Peter. There is no third Peter. Okay, maybe if they were numbering these today, this would be Peter 1.0, and then the second one would be Peter 2.0, right? God has given you a, each of you a gift. Peter, First Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well. Whatever ability or talents or spiritual gifts that God has given you. It's been given to you freely by his grace. Now, let these gifts freely flow through you to help those around you. That's the big deal. That's the big deal. Now, some people, you know, don't feel like they have anything to give. They don't have anything to offer. But the world tells us that we have not, I'm sorry, the word, not the world, but the word tells us that we have not because we ask not, right? And you always thought that meant, you know, a new car or a house. No, it also means about the gifts and the abilities. Maybe you need to be spending a little more time in prayer saying, Lord, I need to be blessed. I need to be empowered so that I might be a blessing to others. What's the first thing you see when you go into the holy place? First thing you look to on your right is the table of showbread, right? You know, give us this day our daily bread. Well, some of the bread I need isn't just for myself. My bread I need is the ability to serve others and the ability to help others. I need the giftings of the Holy Spirit. So ask it so the Lord can give it to you and fill you with it. All right, it all comes down to a matter of the heart. Let's go back to Exodus 35 and finish this up, verses 21 through 29. We're at verse 21. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service and for the holy garments. They came both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. Now, it doesn't get any better than this, guys, doing the Lord's work with a willing heart. It is such a joy to do it, no matter how hard it gets. It's just a joy. Moses told the people to bring what they had. Remember back in verse 5, and that's what they did. The heart that we're talking about well, that's, that's your true inner self. It, it, it's, it's what God wants from you more than anything else is your heart. What are the two great commandments? 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you get done doing that, go drop exhausted into bed because you ain't got nothing left. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's your focus. Now, we have an expression, right? Man, my heart's just not in it. You ever heard of that? My heart's just not in it. And we know what you mean. We, we get the feeling. Emotionally, you're just not attached to the project or whatever it is that, that you have to do. Well, God wants our hearts into it. It's like the, the young lady who told the pastor who was you know, encouraging them to go on missions. And she goes, I, I don't have much interest in missions. He says, well, unless you deposit money in a bank, you're not going to get much interest out of that either. So deposit your interest into missions, and you will see what God will do in your own heart. No matter what we do, though, make sure it's from the heart, because it's not really for him unless it's an expression of who you are. Um, moms know this probably better than anybody, but I know what you really want for Mother's Day and for your birthday. It's like a month off with no kids or husbands, all right? No responsibilities, just take it off. But how blessed you are when your, your little one brings their first drawing to you to put up on the refrigerator, and it's all about you. A stick figure. Obviously, you've lost a lot of weight, and <laughs> they put it up on the refrigerator because you're proud and happy about it, right? I remember one Christmas I received a gift from my youngest daughter, and it just said it was a little board that she had burned into the wood. Base dad, and it was because I would helped her with baseball. You know, I, we played softball. I taught her how to throw and do those things, and I really enjoyed spending time with her doing that. And so she made me a little plaque. And to me, that was, you know, I was really hoping for a Jeep Cherokee. But <laughs> no, this was much more precious than anything I could have received anywhere else. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants whatever you give to be from your heart. Uh, the wildest thing, this is A.W. Tozer, in the universe... I'm sorry, the wildest? No, the widest thing. Remember, guys, I can't see out of my left eye. And I'm pretty much blind to my right. Think about that. The widest thing in the universe, the widest thing in the universe is not space. It's the potential capacity of the human heart. Being made in the image of God, it is capable of almost unlimited extension in all directions. Love the Lord your God, and everything else will come naturally out of that. All right, here's a couple reflections, and then we will be dismissed. First of all, God is into willing giving. All right, he's totally into it. It's a willing giving. Right? What did he say in John 3, 16? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Right? 2 Corinthians 8.12 says, Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have and not what you don't have. I love it that Moses was not into high pr 
pressure tactics to get people to give. Guys, we're building this tabernacle here, and it's going to take uh, $64 million worth of gold and silver and bronze and so on and so on. So what we've done here is set up a program that for those who can give $10,000, we're giving you a free color TV. All right, and then you know he didn't he didn't set up any gimmicks or pressures. Okay, with tribe of Levi and tribe of Judah, we'll see which one of you guys can give the most in the shortest time. We're going to set this big thermometer up here, and as you're giving it, we'll have the thermometer go up and up and up. You know, um, he didn't do that. He didn't do any of that. I can't remember who wrote this, but he says, without a willing mind, even the costliest of offerings would be rejected. And with the willing mind, the smallest will be accepted. Okay? Um, God is into the heart, whether you can give a lot or you can give a little, as long as you give with your heart. Remember when there were standing at the temple and they were watching people give their donations uh, well jesus was he was actually watching them i know that would make you really nervous okay and when they're passing the bag around the church and jesus is there <laughs> that would probably make you feel uncomfortable but he's watching the people drop in their offerings and that woman who gave the widow's mite right and she says she gave more than everybody else, and that was including the Pharisee who just dropped in a $1.5 million check. And they said, well, how in the world does that? She said, well, because she gave out her need. Okay. Now, I know a lot of the evangelists are going to take that and say, okay, see, that's what you all got to do. You got to give out of your need. So go mortgage your house right now. Matter of fact, I saw a video. It was kind of funny. It was a pastor who was using those kind of ta tactics. They needed to raise a lot of money for some project he had in mind. And he says, all right, the Lord has shown me that there are some people who are going to give $7,000 tonight. And some are going to give $5,000 tonight. All right, here it is. Here's the offering. And I want you all right now just to give out of your seats. And he says, I want you to run down here and put in your $6,000 and put in your $5,000. Right? Got the gold pot over here for the 6,000 and the silver pot for the five. I said, come on, run down now. Everybody, out of your seat. Let's run, let's run. Just like that Flip Wilson joke. It was silent. <laughs> Nobody got up. He says, okay, some of you got 3,000 that you can put in. And he went on and on and on, and no one said a word, and no one moved. Until the very end, when he, he made another comment about, and he was starting to get on their case, and they just got up and they left. And I thought, yeah, right on. <laughs> right on, okay. Um, Moses didn't have contents or anything like that. He let them come willingly. All right. Second thing is God accepts even the smallest of gifts. People gave what they could, and not all of them could give gold or precious gems, but perhaps they could give a little bit of goat's hair for the project. And certainly the gift of goat's hair, even though to our way of thinking would be worth less than a talent of gold, but it was just as precious in God's sight as a gift of gold, and it was given with the right heart. Not all of those guys were lapidaries or goldsmith, 
but all of them could give a peanut butter sandwich in the name of Jesus. Spurgeon said, thus the laborer, mechanic, or servant who does his work in the faith and fear of God is as valuable and precious to God as the most useful minister, and he equally accepted of the Lord. And I would say probably um, it's equally valuable as, well, I won't say all ministers are useful. That's what I was trying to get at. Never mind. All right. Finally, generosity is a form of gratitude. Generosity is a form of gratitude, and gratitude is the heart's response to grace. Generosity is a form of gratitude, and gratitude is the heart's response to grace. Matthew 10, 8 again. Freely you have received, freely give. And generous giving can only come from a new heart, a heart that's transformed by the grace of God. Finally, giving is an act of worship. We had a, a, a wonderful set and time of spending and singing before the Lord. And a lot of people think when they think of worship, that's the first thing you go to is, is what did we sing? What did we play? But giving is just as melodic and harmonious as any music. Um, I think it was Jerry Riken that said, we pay for the things we prize. So by giving for the tabernacle, the people were declaring their love for God and offering their hearts, giving from what they had. And that reminds us of that great hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. Consecrated Lord to Thee, take my moments and my days and let them flow in ceaseless prayer. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my heart and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always, only for my king. And take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine, and it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever, only, all for thee. Is that enough for one morning, guys? Let's all stand, please. Worship team, come on up, please. Well, Father, I thank you for the precious gift of your son. And I give you praise because your son, who is our creator, who designed us in the womb, came and took on the form of the human being with all of its limitations and all of its suffering so that he might be able to identify with us. There's no way we can say that he doesn't know how we feel. He knows exactly how we feel. He can identify. He can relate. 
if you're here this morning and you need a God like that who can relate to what you're going through, and you're hungering and you're thirsting and you're crying out for relief, for wisdom, for direction, for forgiveness, then I invite you to take care of that today. I invite you to take care of it even as we're praying right now. And I invite you to hang out just a little bit longer after the service is over so that we might be able to minister to you. But Father, for us who, who know you and have come to that place where we have received you into our life, thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And thank you that you didn't just leave us to go out and wander around on our own, but you gave us purpose. You gave us a task. And you didn't leave us alone in the fulfillment. You came and filled us with your Holy Spirit to give us the power and the dynamic to do the work. So for these precious people, Father, I pray, Lord God, and ask that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they might walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you being fruitful in every good work and increasing in their knowledge of you may they be strengthened with all might according to your glorious power that they might be able to endure and be patient and wait upon you that they might be thankful, Father, for you who has qualified them to be partakers of the nature of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for delivering them from the powers of darkness and conveying them into the kingdom of your Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. So bless them and keep them and make your face to shine on them and be gracious to them lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. This I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said...